when that happens, we're creating that tension and then the pelvic floor responds to be on all the time. And that can cause issues with orgasm, right? My goal for 2024 is just to be a butt <laughs> Yes, me too. So I knew, I knew that we'd be best friends. We are April and Scott, creators of NaughtyGym.com, and this is The Naughty Gym Show. For years, we've been fitness and nutrition coaches to thousands of people through our commercial gyms and online platforms. We've also spent nearly a decade in an ever-evolving open relationship. This show brings together two of our biggest passions, fitness and sex positivity. Our mission is to maximize the physical and mental health of anyone brave enough to explore relationship structures that run counter to societal norms. We have demolished our old ways of thinking about relationships and from that rubble built a life full of happiness, adventure, and vitality. And now we want to help you do the same. So hop on the treadmill, start the show, and let us teach you how to never stop playing. Okay, guys, we are here today with Kara, and Kara is one of our Naughty Gym members. She's very active in our community, and she specializes. She's been in the fitness industry for quite a while as well, um, and she specializes on something that when she told me, I knew immediately that we needed to talk to her and get all of the info that she has about this subject out of her noggin and into everybody's ears. So, Kara, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you do. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, April. I'm so happy to be here. And I absolutely love the community that you create at Naughty Gym. Um, so I am Kara. I am owner of Push Fitness. And I specialize in uh, pelvic floor friendly fitness. So I've been in the industry for about 20 years, and I've been really honing in on pelvic floor friendly fitness for about the last 10. Yeah. And that's not just like, you're not just a personal trainer who does like some glute bridges and kegels. You like really in depth work with people on strengthening their pelvic floor. Like, yes, you didn't yeah. just like put a book on it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I have, I have a couple different uh, trainings and certifications on it, but I've also had some time where I've worked really closely with physical therapists. Some of my favorite things to do is to partner up with a pelvic floor physical therapist and, um, and, you know, they can be as little as talking about like some contraindications and things like that, or as in depth it, as, you know, putting a device inside doing some exercises and seeing how the pelvic floor actually functions so that we can really hone in on what that client needs in the gym space in order to function better. That's great. So we're going to bring this full circle though, because yeah. you're also in the lifestyle. I am. Right. So let's, let's do some backstory. Tell me a little bit about how you came to the lifestyle, what that looks like now for you and your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I kind of joke that I, I feel like I've always been polyamorous um, I, or a, a swinger or whatever, you know, language that you use. I, I have always sort of felt that way. I, in most of my relationships, even when I have 
loved and cared for my partner very deeply, I have always had an attraction towards other people as well. And um, I studied feminist anthropology. I went to graduate school and I have a degree that I don't use. What a fascinating subject. (laughs) But while I was in school, we read a lot about like, gender norms and relationships from all over the world. And I, it kind of opens your mind up for that, that's that what you grew up in is not necessarily the only answer, right? It's not the only option. And so I kind of approach the world that way is like, well, this is what my parents taught me. And this is what society has taught me. But like, what are the other options too? And, um, One of my favorite authors in feminist anthropology writes a lot about, um, about gender norms and, um, from a biological standpoint. Um, but then this book called sex at dawn came out. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I've heard of that. I've not read it. Oh, it's so good. Um, but they critiqued a lot of her work and, um, basically that she had come from the perspective of this heteronormative monogamous perspective because we just assume that that's a standard you know like a lot of research is done we make some assumptions when we start the project anyway mm-hmm. and that after reading that i was like i should look into this a little bit more um so that was just kind of like how it started within myself right um, but in my relationship it was very different too because it's not so easy to just like bring that topic up, right? Um, Did you know, so you're going through this kind of self-discovery and like kind of, did you know that there was other people living like this? Like there was, you know, communities like the lifestyle and there was swing. I mean, did you correlate that? um, Yeah, a little bit. I, um, I, I, in, in our gym, we're very committed to diversity and inclusion. And more and more, I started having clients come in who were in the lifestyle as well. And we're very open about it. And so that kind of started. And then I started realizing, gosh, more people than I even realize are open to this. And here I am kind of hunkered down, just feeling all this shame for having these feelings. And like, maybe I don't have to do that. So how Um, long has that been since you kind of started dipping your toes into not heteronormative. So it's been about two years. Like we've had my, my husband and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like a trip to Mexico. <laughs> I came back from that trip and I was like, okay, I think we need to talk. <laughs> and he was open to that. Yeah. So so we had gotten to a point I had, um, my family has bad knee genetics and I'd had a double knee replacement at like 40, which doesn't, you know, it does. I didn't feel super sexy. You know, I'm having a surgery that a lot of 80 year olds have yes. at 40 <laughs> in a lot of pain. I, my body's not working the way I want it to. And I just sort of like, like rage threw away all my lingerie and my sex toys. Like I think my dog had like gotten into like, anyway, just sort of done. And, (laughs) and I was like, well, maybe this is just it for me. I'm just don't feel, I'm not feeling myself. And 
then I took this trip to Mexico with my best friend. And I don't know if it was just that I got to like completely relax, you know, after being in the pandemic for a few years, you just kind of operate on that high vibration. And I got to like relax and while like my body type isn't necessarily the ideal here in the United States, in Mexico, I got a lot of attention and, and it feels weird to say because it's like this external thing. It didn't like start within myself, but it was like a little push where after that happened, I started, I did start feeling myself a little bit more. I did start kind of saying like, well, maybe it isn't over for me. Maybe I'm not just like too old to enjoy sex anymore. And um, so when we came back, I started feeling a little flirtier and my husband noticed. And, you know, and like before it's like this taboo thing, like you don't talk about other people's attraction to you and you certainly don't talk about your attraction to them. And then we just started talking about it. You know, external validation is never, is not always a bad thing. Sometimes right. it takes, you know, we've talked before about body image and stuff and our partner can tell us every day, all day, how beautiful we are. And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't take it, but hearing it yep. from somebody that has no experience with us, doesn't know us at all. And it's just coming completely like unsolicited sometimes mm-hmm. feels really, really good. <laughs> yeah. And I think in, in this particular context, it was coming from the fact that it was coming from people who didn't know me. Whereas like, I think that, you know, my husband had seen me in all these different bodies, you know, like my body before I had my last son, my body before I had my knee surgeries, my, you know, and so, you know, like, while there's a lot of intimacy in that, because he knows me so deeply, and he knows all these different versions of me to, to have somebody just openly appreciate the version of me that showed up in Mexico was very nice. And then those conversations, I'm guessing, <laughs> just kind of bloomed and opened mm-hmm. up other possibilities. And yeah, so yeah, so we, the more we talked, the more we kind of started, you know, at first, like you, you had talked about how in the beginning, you and Scott had all these rules, right? And we did that too, like the part of just kind of thinking through the process, it's like, okay, what are we okay with? And what are we not okay with? What is best for us and what can we share with other people and as we've explored more those have softened and things have changed and I feel like there can also be sort of an ebb and flow you know there are times when you know Matt is feeling more sensitive and it's time to back off and talk and come together and then there are times when we're like, let's do this. It's time to play. Let's go. And the same thing with me. So, you know, just kind of trying to figure out how to navigate that in a way that feels good for the both of us, but also for our partners. And yeah. That's one thing that Scott and I were actually just talking the other day that we dislike so much about labels. Like when people said, well, are you full stop? Are you, you know, are you a swinger? Are you, what, what is it that you are? And I'm like, I don't know today. I might be one thing and tomorrow I might be something else. And then, you know, we might be monogamous for a while. I just, I don't know. It depends on where we're at, what, how we're feeling, you know? So it is all very situational. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's one of the things that I'm kind of growing to love about the lifestyle too, is that it, you, it, you, 
do have to constantly communicate and connect to see where you are. And I feel like that constant communication and honesty within yourself really helps deepen the relationship. Um, And sometimes not just your primary relationship um, or with your nesting partner or whatever language you use, but also with your other partners as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm, I want, I, we've talked in private a little bit about some of your relationship dynamics that I would love. We're going to talk about more in private because I want to get to the subject, but I'm fascinated by it. Um, And maybe we'll bring you on again and discuss it. Um, But um, we want to talk about pelvic floor health today. And the reason I know like we are not, Naughty Jim wants to talk about pelvic floor health. Um, We are all about fitness and being whole as a person and balance pelvic floor health affects your sexuality and affects your daily life. Um, I've had three kids. I've had issues. I've had to do some rehab and do some really specific exercises to strengthen my pelvic floor. Um, And it's not, it's something that as um, a woman who works in the fitness industry, you encounter other women and some men as well who have issues like incontinence and, 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 uh, trouble reaching orgasm and stuff like that because they have pelvic floor issues. We would like to invite you to a first of its kind event. Unlike anything ever done at Hedonism Resort in the grill, Jamaica, it's called be better at being bad week. This is the fittest party in the lifestyle. Now this doesn't mean you have to be a hard body to attend. This party is for anyone and everyone who wants to improve their relationship and communication dynamics, increase their sexual health, learn better wellness practices, and explore and expand their mind, body, and sexuality. Experts from around the world will descend on Hedo to help you be better at being bad. Daily keynote talks, interactive technique sessions at the nude and prude pools, exciting competitions and workouts, integration workshops on cannabis and psychedelics, intimate couples yoga, speed dating, and workshops in the Kama Sutra Palace. All the nightly themed parties and entertainment that you've come to expect from Hedo and the grand finale, the Red Ball. This event is perfect for people exploring the idea of opening their relationship. Special sessions led by the Naughty Gym Gym team of experts will guide you through various Q&A and orientation sessions to help you get to know your fellow attendees. Veterans of the lifestyle can expect all the same high energy sexy parties and electrifying entertainment that made Hedo famous with a little extra flair from the Be Better at Being Bad team. Everyone will leave with a wealth of new tools and experiences curated by our all-star team of professionals designed to improve your journey through consensual non-monogamy. So what are you waiting for? Join us January 6th through the 13th of 2024 at Hedonism Resorts for Be Better at Being Bad Week and get ready for the fittest party in the lifestyle. The the pelvic floor is such a fascinating topic for for me um, because it is part of this system that is referred to as the anticipatory core. And what that means is that anytime any part of your body moves, the anticipatory core fires. And it's usually supposed to be in a very synchronized way. So what is made up of the anticipatory core is there's the diaphragm on the top and that's your breathing muscle. And then the pelvic floor on the bottom that kind of holds everything in. And then the multifidus that runs along the spine and then the transverse abdominus that wraps around 
the inner core. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anytime you move any part of your body, those muscles should move in sync with one another. And when they don't, that's when you have a leak in pressure or pain or things like that. And so when you when you're thinking about like a gym space, the gym space, because we are moving our bodies intentionally, is such an amazing opportunity to sync up those inner core muscles and get stronger because our bodies are like really smart. And they've like, as you know, as a trainer, like when something's not quite working right, our body will just figure out how to do it anyway. So instead of this prime mover that's not firing right, your body's like, oh, we'll just use all these accessory muscles instead. And that's where you can end up with a lot of pain. And it is no different with the pelvic floor. But we tend to like want to keep our privates private. (laughs) And so we don't find any, right? Because like, if I have an athlete come in and they've got shoulder pain, I'm going to tell them we'll stop doing this movement that's causing you pain and let's strengthen Mm -hmm. the muscles around it and do some therapy. But when we have an issue internally, it's almost like the lifestyle. It's a little taboo. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, and the shame part is the part that I really, um, that kind of breaks my heart and also keeps me focused on wanting to do this work because we feel so much shame around things going wrong there. Right. And, and like, especially if you're a person with a vulva, like you've probably grown up like learning that, you know, your worth is based on how you look and you are supposed to function a certain way. And so you don't want to share like, oh, like maybe, maybe I had a baby and now like I pee myself every time I laugh really hard or do a heavy squat or something like that. And um, I, while I think that those symptoms should be addressed, like I think we should normalize that. Mm-hmm. It's also a sign that something's not, you know, that the, something's not going right in your body, but we also shouldn't feel shame around that happening. Right. So, and so go over some of the symptoms that somebody might experience male or female, if they sure. have pelvic floor issues or, or, or weak pelvic floor. Yeah. So, um, so some of the symptoms could be peeing, pooping, or farting when you don't want to. Yeah. So, so those are the, those are that usually, um, that can happen when the pelvic floor is sort of weakened. Um, another thing, which this goes back to the anticipatory core, that system, that you know, pressurized system that works together, is um, diastasis recti or hernias. Mm-hmm. And those can pop out sort of in the middle of the core here. But what that shows is that there's a leak in pressure. Um, and so if you know, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor should move up and down at the same time, um, but that now you have this leak of pressure coming out the front, then um, that can cause issues too. So I consider that to be a pelvic floor issue. Okay. Um, and a lot of other- happens after a, when a woman has a pregnancy. Right. So, so it, that can happen during pregnancy, but I also see it a lot in my clients who have had um, history of singing. Oh and like voice, like a, like a voice coaches or things like that, because they're taught so much to do this big diaphragm uh, breath, but they aren't also taught to release the pelvic floor. 
I'm hoping we'll go over a pelvic floor breath in a second. Yeah. So we can, I can explain a little bit more about how that works. Um, but then another one that I see in the gym a lot is hypertonicity, which means that like your, your pelvic floor is always on. And so like, imagine like if you make like half of a bicep curl, like not a whole one, but just a half a one and then try to generate pressure, like power from there. Yeah. You can't really, right. You only have that tiny little range to generate some power where if you can relax the muscle entirely, then you have a lot of power to curl that muscle back in. And so that hypertonicity can happen through pregnancy, but it can also happen with stress. Um, it can, it can happen if we have a tendency to breathe up into our neck and shoulders or we carry stress there. Um, it can happen if we hold our bellies in all the time. So for people with vulvas, we are often told to suck in our tummies all the time to try to look as little as possible. And when that happens, we're creating that tension and then the pelvic floor responds to be on all the time. And that can cause issues with orgasm, right? Like just how I described that bicep, if you can't relax your pelvic floor muscle and there's not some buoyancy there, it's harder to get a really strong orgasm. It can create pain during sex. For men, it can cause like premature ejaculation, or it can even cause a blood flow issue that makes it harder to get really hard. So how would a guy know if he's got pelvic floor issues? He's having trouble orgasming or with premature ejaculation? Is that mm -hmm. symptomatic? Yeah, those would be some signs. Um, they might also just feel some tightness there. Some low back pain might be um, a, a, a tip off as well. Um, and then always, like I always recommend, if you think that it might be an issue, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, I that's that's usually where I prefer people start so that they're I can always have that like working relationship with a medical professional. Yeah, and Kara is not a doctor. She yes. just has experience in working with people and specializing in pelvic floor health. That Well, that's a good question next is when should they go seek medical help? When like, like I had a baby and then now when I do double unders or box jumps, I pee on myself. Mm -hmm. Is that something that I should go immediately to a doctor or is there things that I can do on my own first before I make that, that next step? Um, you know, that's really up to you. I, I always recommend going to get checked out. Like in a lot of other countries, pelvic floor physical therapy is pretty standard post-pregnancy. Um, I, I would be, certainly advocate for that in our country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you are, if you pee when you sneeze or do a double under or something like that, that's just, that's a sign. Um, and the thing is, is that it's not just like a little embarrassing or inconvenient that you might pee when you, when you do a double under, it's also that, that, that builds, right? Like we talk mm -hmm. about those compensations, like if there's a leak in pressure there and we don't know why that means that that inner core system isn't firing the way we want, which means that all kinds of other muscles are firing instead. And, and that can lead to knee pain, hip pain, back pain, shoulder pain, sometimes even jaw tightness. Like it's so interwoven into the way that our body moves in general. So if you are a really active person and you're doing CrossFit or lifting in the gym, 
and you are experiencing those symptoms, it would be a really good idea to get it checked out. And again, not because you've done anything wrong, just because like you owe it to yourself to have your body function as optimally as possible. This can cause pain during sex. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And for women, harder to reach orgasm. Yep. Um, For men, premature ejaculation, or Mm -hmm. does it also make them, could make it harder for them to ejaculate as well? Yeah. So it can make it harder to get hard, basically. (laughs) Yeah. In and out of the penis. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Are there things like if somebody's like, I'm great, I've never had like any issues. Is there something they can be doing now to prevent that? Because I feel like it's, especially women, because I don't know a lot about men's pelvic floor, but I feel like it's inevitable. Every woman, uh, even women that I have coached that have never had a baby have mm-hmm. had issues with this in the gym when they're lifting heavy weight or they're jumping mm-hmm. and that impact. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that somebody could do before that happens to prevent it? Yeah. So I am a big believer in breath work and, mm-hmm. um, that's how I start every single one of my classes with the pelvic floor warm up, which is, you know, working with the, that core breath. And I, I want to go through it together. Yeah. I would love to. But, but to like, also to kind of like, and it's easier said than done, but to try to relieve stress, right? Because when we're stressed, we breathe up and down through our shoulders more. We're trying to pull air in with our neck instead of our bellies and our diaphragms. And that can also kind of cause that misfiring of those inner core muscles. Um, Some other things that you could do is get a squatty potty, just elevate your legs when you pee, pee or poop so that like when you're going, you, you can let those muscles completely relax and open um, so that you're not pushing out. Um, Do you know, real quick, (laughs) one year when the squatty potties first came out uh, (laughs) at Christmas, everyone in my family got a squatty potty and Scott thought it was the weirdest (laughs) gift. My family, they love them. They loved it. (laughs) And listen, it's not just to have a better poo. It's to have better orgasms, right? (laughs) Like like this is, this is a gift. This is. (laughs) Um, So, and then a couple other things would be like not holding in your tummy. If you can, like letting it hang out, (laughs) letting it relax. Always. Well, I grew up being told that for posture, you know, holding your tummy, keep it right, you know, but you're right. That keeps it firing constantly. Mm-hmm. And then, so then you lose power in your core that way, but then you also are causing that like hypertonicity. Um, and then I'm back to toileting practices. Um, moo when you poo, there is moo when you poo. <laughs> yes. So there's, there's a connection between like your palate and your pelvic floor. Um, I don't know, like this is, I mean, we're on the naughty gym show, so I'm going to show my ways. When there's like anal play going on, I don't know if you have ever like had your partner say like, relax your jaw, relax your tongue, or because it helps relax things back there too. And so that just any kind of, 
anti-strain when you're going is good. So also hovering over a toilet. Um, <laughs> so um, this might be too my TMI, but we've been working on anal play and yeah. Ashley Manta has given us some tips too, but breath work <laughs> is yes. so important. Like, Mm-hmm. That deep breathing, like relax, and it does yeah. relaxes everything. I'm gonna try mooing next time though, and see what's going It's gonna be like I didn't know that we were also trying out furries. <laughs> never know. You never know what's gonna happen in our bedroom. <laughs> no, I feel like we're in very similar places. Like I, I have. Like I'm, I'm 44 and I still have not had like successful, like feels really great anal sex either. And I told him my goal for 2024 is just to be a butt slut. Yes, me too. So I knew, I knew that we'd be best friends. So I'm working on it and, but I appreciate the process of going slow and how does this feel? And I just have never had a partner that wasn't all just about like, let's do it. And, you know, and that's, that's, it's surprising and uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. It's very nice when you have a partner who actually loves you and wants to like work the process with you. Yeah. Yeah. That that as well. (laughs) Yeah. But it is a process. I am very envious of girls who can just take it. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I I'm right there with you. Maybe we can share our progress yes. together. Like, be, buddy, we'll have you back. We'll do an episode butt sluts. <laughs> an update on the process. Back to the breath work. Let will you walk us through what you do? Because I feel like this may I I'm, I need you to teach me this to work with some of my female clients that have had yeah. doing this breath work. Yeah. And, and really like anyone with a vulva is going to have more issues with pelvic floor stuff, not just because they may have had a pregnancy, but because if it's a, it's a pressurized system Mm -hmm. and we have an extra hole, right? Right. We, we're not an extra, we have another, (laughs) we have the bonus. One more than the guys have. (laughs) And so, um, and so it just makes us more prone to pelvic floor stuff. So before we get started on the actual breath, I want you to visualize what these core muscles actually look like in your body. So when we inhale, a lot of times we think that we're kind of pulling air in by kind of expanding up. But what's really happening is that pelvic floor is like spreading and lowering down, sucking air in that way, sort of like a plunger in a syringe, like you pull it down and it sucks this liquid in. And so that's what's happening with that pelvic floor on the inhale. So because the the pelvic floor also has to drop when the diaphragm does, that's when you want to relax your belly and relax your pelvic floor. And then when you exhale, that diaphragm domes up and pushes the air out. So then the pelvic floor should also dome up and help bring everything back to center. So, so it's your, as you're inhaling, you're relaxing. And as you're exhaling, the pelvic floor will contract. And there are a couple different ways to think about that. If you have a vulva, you can think about as you inhale, you're putting like a berry down 
And then as you exhale, you're picking that berry up with your vulva. If you have a penis, you might think about as you inhale, letting your penis get longer. Mm-hmm. And as you exhale, pulling your penis back in. And I used to say, imagine your penis is getting smaller, but that never goes over well. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you're thinking about letting it extend and then pulling it back in. <laughs> and and sometimes look, if that's not accessible or some people don't even feel comfortable thinking about those parts of their body, especially um, if like if sometimes if people are going through a transition, they don't want to associate with those parts of the body, you right. can, you can go through the butt, <laughs> butt stuff where you can think about, about putting like a little a bean down and then picking the bean up right. and that will activate more of the back part of the pelvic floor, but it's still better than nothing. And it can get that connection between the brain and the body. And you are, you do work with people who are transitioning, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of there can be a lot of pelvic floor issues through that time. Um, Even with top surgery, like having a lot of scar tissue up top can change the breath patterns, which changes the way the pelvic floor works. But if um, for people who choose bottom surgery, it can be um, there can be scar tissue and, you know, dilation and stuff like that. And I, I am not a therapist, so I'm never rooting around in anybody's holes. Um, professional stuff you don't hear about, you know, I'm sure they're not, you know, I don't know if insurance is going to pay for it. Just like after a woman has a baby, they're not Mm -hmm. to pelvic floor physical therapy. You know, this is all stuff that we're just kind of having to stumble around and find out on our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the breath work is really a great way just to connect back with your body and your sexuality. I think, um, I when I've listened to some of your other podcasts and you had is it Katie Fit that talks about yeah. the yeah. importance of breath work and connecting to the body and and so I they're they're spot on and you can see how all of this stuff is so interwoven because you know you probably need to connect with your body again after having a, a baby you probably need to connect with your body again if you've been transitioning and or have any kind of trauma. Okay, so we have the visual of that plunger, right? That plunger, that piston, how you know, how you want to think about it. If everybody is sitting, I'll assume that we're all sitting, or you can take a seated position and you can kind of feel your sit bones into your chair. And when you take a couple breaths, you can put your hands on your belly to feel how your belly expands as you inhale. You might even feel your perineum drop down into your chair as you inhale. And then exhale, give me like a sharp like you're blowing out a candle and tell me what happens to your belly and exhale. Did you feel your belly pull in a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, So that's that all those systems working together. So let's add the pelvic floor to this. So as you inhale, you're going to relax the belly and let that perineum drop. And then as you exhale, you're going to pick up your berry or pull your turtle head back in. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. And then inhale, relax. And exhale, pick up that berry. You know, it's so wild that you don't feel it, but once you visualize it, you can feel it. Yeah. And and some people are different. So like if you're working with your clients, April, there might be some people who like, Maybe they have a more athletic background and they won't feel it until they move. 
So they like you might want to have them try it in a squat or a glute bridge. Okay. And then some people um, might need to like lay down to to feel it. And so a lot of it is exploration, right? Because nobody's body is the same and everybody's background is different. So we're going to respond to different cues and that includes just body positioning. So sometimes people might need to lay on their tummies so that they can feel their tummy expand and and relax into the floor on that inhale. Um, Some people might need to to be in movement. And so, yeah. So yeah, that's a really great exercise. What are some other things that people can do other than the breath work? Are there some exercises like physical exercises? Um, I know people talk a lot about Kegels, but I've heard that those aren't great for men to do. Well, Kegels. And so here's the thing. I appreciate Dr. Kegel for coming up with that and normalizing the Kegel. But what I tend to see more often in the gym is a hypertonicity. Mm-hmm. And what happens with Kegel? what we think of as Kegels is that we, we contract and we hold and we don't, we don't remember the relaxation part. And it's the same thing with like putting an egg up there or, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of other devices is that it's really, it revolves around the contraction Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't give people the cue for the relaxation. And I see more issues with hypertonicity than I do with just general weakness because hypertonicity causes weakness too. So it's that ability to relax and let it go that I want to make sure that people feel. So, um, so I'm not a huge proponent of, you know, using an app or an egg or things like that until you've really played around and connected with your body. So besides the breath work, it would be getting curious in the gym. Like, are there certain exercises where you tend to, to pee and can you play around with the breath and see what works better for you? So like sometimes some of my clients will need to exhale and Kegel through an entire squat Mm -hmm. and then inhale at the top. And then, you know, so especially like that would be most appropriate for people who have prolapse, which is, we haven't actually talked about that yet, but it's where some of your pelvic organs can sort of droop and fall through the pelvic floor and can get so bad sometimes that they can sort of protrude out of the vaginal opening. Um, It feels like a dragging or heavy feeling in the pelvis. Um, And so, so back to like the squat. Yeah. Um, And then some of my clients like more of a dynamic breath. So you inhale on the easier part of the exercise, which is usually the descent. And then you're going to exhale, trying to match the exertion of the weight you have and Kegel up out of that. And um, so when somebody comes in to see me, we go through like all of the main lifts and troubleshoot how they feel in that person's body. Like what? when do you need to exhale? How hard can you feel the relaxation? Um, and I have a couple cues that I like to use from that. Like it's always exhale on exertion mm-hmm. and blow before you go, which okay. that one gives me a little giggle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love all of these. <laughs> blow before you go. <laughs> Appreciate the butt splits. 
yeah. uh, label because now I'm going to have to use that. And I'm sure Matt will like that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, so we shouldn't just sit around and do Kegels all day long. No, no. Um, and if you, the, if you, the first time I ever learned about that was, I think I was reading Cosmo magazine when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and I thought, I'm just going to do Kegels all the time. I'm going to have the tightest little pussy. Mm-hmm. Not a fact. That's not how that works, right? right. No. And the thing is, is like, if you do, like, if you're one of those people who like Kegels at a stoplight kind of thing or, yeah. but like do that, but just make sure that you're getting that full range, the contraction and the relaxation. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, we're definitely going to have you back on because we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I, we're also. We're also going to be working on um, having you do a pelvic floor workshop um, inside of our Naughty Gym platform um, that will be free for our Naughty Gym members and uh, a charge for if you're not a Naughty Gym member. So maybe some incentive for people to sign up for Naughty Gym so they have um, some of that, uh, some of those resources. Uh, But what else can you tell? Is there anything else we didn't cover today that somebody should know about their pelvic floor, health, sexuality, any of that? Um, you know, I'm, that you don't you don't owe anyone your health. And I so as as a as someone who works in the wellness industry, I always want to be really like I always want to approach with a like an anti-shame foundation. And so I think that when it comes to the pelvic floor too, a lot of times um, we approach the topic itself from a place of shame. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the power to take that away from people, but if I could, I would. And um, to just know that if you are struggling with this kind of stuff and it is hard sometimes to get to the place where you can even feel that connection in your body, that's okay. And it's okay that it takes time. Um, one of the other things that we didn't mention is, is uh, like trauma and some, and sexual trauma and pelvic floor issues. Those are often very linked. And so um, if that's, if that's you and you're kind of trying this core breath and struggling with it, just give yourself some grace because yeah. just, just the, the exercise is telling some part of yourself that you are, that you're worth it, that it's, that you're okay. And that you are making a commitment to helping yourself, even if it doesn't happen right away. Right. Yeah. That shame is such a horrible thing to have to deal with. And I mean, that's part of what we do in trying to normalize non-monogamy is get rid of the shame, body positivity or body neutrality, trying to shed some light into these places to let people know that this is a normal thing. There's nothing wrong with you. This is normal. People experience it. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to get help for it. Um, And so hopefully people can find, will listen to this and find this as a useful resource. But is there somewhere that people could reach out to you if they have more questions? Sure. Yeah. So you can email me at info at thepushfitness.com. You can also find me on Instagram at thepushfitness. And um, 
I'm, I'm, you know, everything comes to my phone. So so people can, can reach out to you if they need to. Um, and you're also in our naughty gym platform. So (laughs) ask me all the questions in the naughty gym. I love this stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I, I'm serious. We will have you back because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'll let you know yeah. Scott's reaction about um, our moo when we poo and our... <laughs> I mean, yes. Okay, and, and I feel like we need to start a butt slut thread. Yeah. Like, can we make that happen? We'll make that happen. Yeah. That's going to be part two with Kara butt sluts. All right, girl. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you.